And just like any song or poem, the Psalms can be categorized into different types of genres. There's Psalms of wisdom, like Psalm 1. There's Psalms that focus on kingship or royalty, like Psalm 2, or Psalms of praise, like Psalm 8. Um, there's, there's Psalms of lament, like Psalm 14 and 56. And today's Psalm, Psalm 100, can be categorized as a Psalm of, of praise or thanksgiving. Many consider it um, somewhat of a dex doxology, which kind of caps off a series of kingship psalms um, from Psalm 95 through 99. Psalm 100, um, it's, it's a simple yet joyful hymn um, that exhorts us to give praise and thanks to God for all that he is. It invites us and, and the nations to come and worship the king with gladness. But within this invitation, within the psalm, the psalmist also provides for us a foundation for our worship. There's a structure built into this psalm that can serve as a model of how we can approach Christian living. And that is, we should live our lives based on what we know about God. In other words, it's our theology that shapes our action. It influences our thinking and how we respond both to God and to the world. So when we read through this psalm, uh, we're going to see first we're going to see a bunch of joyous acts, just one after the other, like make a joyful noise, serve with gladness, sing, give thanks, praise, bless. None of those actions can be done properly unto God without a correct understanding of who he is. Yes, as, as believers, we should be thankful. As believers, we should joyfully serve and praise him. But we don't do these types of things blindly. For the believer, there is a reason to be thankful. There's a reason to be joyful. There's a reason to sing and praise and bless. And those reasons, namely the truths about God, provide for us a basis for our worship. So as we go through this particular psalm together, I hope that, um, one, that we would know and trust God more, and two, that our knowledge and trust of God would cause us to respond in, in deeper praise um, and worship to him. So let me read for us Psalm 100, and, and then we'll pray and get into the passage. Um, Psalm 100, a praise for thanks for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, please be with us um, just as we try to understand your word. Give us clarity. Um, help us to know you more through um, the very words that you've spoken to us. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Um, if we take a moment to look back at what we just read in Psalm 100, um, I want to highlight real quickly the structure that I was referring to earlier. Let's take a look at the passage again, and, and I think it'll show itself pretty clearly. I'm starting from verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Why? Right? What would cause us to respond this way? Verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Those are the reasons, okay? So verse one and verse two show us um, 
joyful acts of praise. Um, and verse three, it gives us the foundation. Um, it gives us the foundation for them, which is, which is knowing God. So our worship is fueled by our knowledge of who he is and who we are in relationship to him. And so um, praise him, serve him, come to him singing, knowing that he is our God, knowing that we are his people, knowing that he cares for us. It's what we know and believe about God that invokes a natural response of joy and praise from us. And the same pattern exists in the, in the following verses. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We praise him because he's good. We praise him because his love for us is never ending. We bless him because he's always faithful to do what he says. See, our actions and our feelings towards God should always be based on the truth from his word. That's the structure that this psalm gives us. It's, it's nothing new. You can find the pattern uh, you know, all throughout the Bible, but it's just so clear in this particular psalm. And so um, we know, so we praise, right? We know, so we serve. We know, so we sing. And the more we know and trust in his character and attributes, the more we'll willingly fall down and worship him in thanksgiving and praise. That's pretty much like what Psalm 100 is about. I could probably just like end it right there after reading it through again, and that would probably be sufficient. But since we have some more time, uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and, and take a closer look at the passage. The outline for today, um, it's as simple as what we went over. Um, it's four things just to help, us guide, to help guide us along. Um, the first thing is praising. I didn't think of like a, normally I have some sort of like three actions that blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. I couldn't really think of one. So I just have four points, okay? The four points are praising God. That's verse one and two. Knowing God, verse three. Thanking God, verse four. And trusting God, verse five. So praising God, knowing God, thanking God, and trusting God. So number one, praising God. Praising God. Verse one, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Um, I can't really summarize these verses any better than the text itself, um, but there, there's three obvious exhortations listed for praising God. But what I want to highlight is not just the acts themselves, but also the attitude that goes along with them. And that is, um, we don't just make noise to the Lord, right? We make a joyful noise. We don't merely serve the Lord. We do it with gladness. We don't just come into his presence casually, we come to him with singing. See, these are all joyful acts of praise to God. There's no attitude of resentment or, or feelings of fear when we come before God and praise him. God, God doesn't, he's not forcing us to worship him, okay? He wants us to worship him willfully and, and with all sincerity. Verse one, make a joyful noise to the Lord or, or shout to the Lord all the earth. The root word for this phrase means to mar or, or like literally like to break something in half. Like, and, and so figuratively, it means actually to split, split the ears with sound, to split your ears with sound. The phrase was often used um, in the context of a king's arrival where his subjects would like cheer and shout as he entered. And it's fitting because the previous five psalms were all focused on majesty and kingship. So, so, so there's just like 
a lot of excitement here, okay? There's loud shouts of praise and a sense of overflowing joy that the king has come. I thought of it as like, you know, being in a stadium um, for a sold out BTS concert, right? And, and, you know, and right when like the fans, they hear the music start to play and then the performers start walking on the stage and everyone starts getting crazy, right? And they start screaming and shouting and cheering. And you can see some of the girls and even some of the guys in the front, like they're crying at the front of the stage just because they're like so overwhelmed with emotion just to see these guys, okay? And there's, there's just this kind of, this level of excitement that you normally wouldn't see in any other context. And all this excitement and happiness is put on display just for these, like, you know, seven young Korean pop stars. I'm a bit older than most of you probably, so I'm more of kind of like a 98 Degrees, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys kind of guy. Personally, I, I, I don't really care that much for BTS. I, I don't really get the hype. I know, I know. I know it's really popular, but, but anyways, I have nothing against them. In fact, I, I'm just, I'm just amazed at how popular they are and how dedicated their fans are. And so like when I see them and I notice how popular they are, I'm like, it got, kind of got me thinking, right? Like that if all of these like BTS fans here can really get that excited for a boy band, do we as God's children get to that same level of joy and excitement when coming to see and hear about God. Now, of course, like I'm not expecting everyone to come on Friday or Sunday shouting and screaming like they're at a concert. Like it's certainly a different context, but I just, I just use that. I, I just want us to, I just want us to consider our personal level of joy and excitement when coming into the presence of God. Are we as a fellowship, as a church, as a body of believers in Christ, are we happy people? Are we joyful? Are we excited to come into his presence? There should be in every believer an overflowing joy for God that produces this tangible desire to praise God. It may not always be expressed in the same way, but generally true joy um, will always find its way to, to manifest itself. Okay? Um, are we excited about God? If we find that we get more excited for other things um, over God himself, then I think maybe we need to take some time to reevaluate our priorities. So that's the first, the first thing. Um, verse 2, um, serve the Lord with gladness. God is pleased when we serve him with gladness. Now, now what does that mean? What does it mean to serve with gladness? Is it, is it that I always have to eagerly say yes to everything? When someone asks me, is it that like I have to do every task with like a big smile, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or is it like the Chick-fil-A employees, right, who respond to all your requests with, oh, my pleasure, right? Is that what God wants? No, of course not, okay? Even though smiling and being polite and, and stuff is good, God is looking at the heart, okay? He's not interested in, in our lip service. The children of God serve God because they love him. And they do it gladly because they, they know he's, he's the only one worthy of our worship. So when we serve um, in any capacity, do we serve with gladness or do we grumble and complain? Are we serving out of love for God and for others? Or are we only doing it to look more spiritual? God desires for us to serve him happily. If we're not careful, um, our service can slowly, over time, um, just become another task for us. It, it can become like a hassle 
or inconvenience. It's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this again. I gotta do my PowerPoint again, or I gotta speak again. And and when we inevitably feel this way, we need to remind ourselves who it is that we're serving and why. Because our attitude in serving is just as important as the act itself. So when we serve the Lord, we should do it with gladness, the psalmist says. Now, serving the Lord isn't necessarily doing something for some, you know, organized church ministry. You don't have to be like an usher or on the worship team. Uh, You don't have to be on some sort of committee to serve the Lord. In fact, if you're serving in those capacities and you know in your heart that you aren't serving for the right reasons, I would say God probably would rather have you serve elsewhere. But also know that even though church ministries do provide great opportunities to serve God, they are not the only way to serve the Lord. They're actually not even probably, they're not even the primary way um, Christians serve God. The best way that we can serve God is through our obedience toward Him. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your, all your strength. This is our primary service to God. Everything else is simply um, just a different way to manifest your heart's obedience to the Lord. If we truly serve the Lord with gladness and um, in those capacities, then we need to be obediently walking with him in the spirit. So we, uh, we won't be able to serve him with gladness in our hearts um, if we're disobedient towards him. See, God doesn't want us to serve him begrudgingly or, or out of obligation. He wants us to serve with gladness. And that can only be done when our hearts are being filled with joy from the truths of God, God's word. So serve him with gladness. Walk in joyful obedience to the Lord. Full noise to the Lord. We serve him with gladness. And, and, and thirdly, we come into his presence with singing. Again, I think the focus here is more on the attitude um, than the actual action. Um, we make joyful noises. We, we make joyful noises, right? We serve with gladness. We come to him or into his presence with singing. These are all intentional actions performed with joy. So the singing in this verse, though it's an action in itself, is more used to describe our attitude. When we come into the presence of God, we sing because it's, it's our natural expression of joy. It shows that we're happy to be with him. And so our soul can't help but to sing in his presence. And God gets glory from that. Now, although singing is just an expression of praise, I believe it to be one of the highest forms. There's just, there's just so many references in the Bible connecting praise and joy with singing. The longest book in the Bible, which happens to be the Psalms, it's a collection of, of songs, right? It's a collection of songs and hymns to be sung. There's over 400 references to singing in the Bible, and there's over there's like 50 direct commands um, to sing. Here's just let me just go through a few from from just the Psalms. Psalms 90, Psalm 96, um, one to two. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Psalm 47:1. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 47, 6, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Even in the New Testament, we're we're told to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. There's just an undisputable directive from from God's word that, that commands us to sing to him. So clearly, God sees singing as important, okay? But singing 
uh, is not only commanded in the Bible, okay? It's one of the primary ways that we receive the word of God. Colossians um, 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How? Okay. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly um, by teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's Colossians 3.16. So we let the word of Christ dwell in us. Um, one, by the teaching of his, hearing the teaching of his word. And two, by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. See, singing not only exalts God, it edifies us, okay? It, it teaches us truths about God. It reminds us of his goodness and allows us to joyfully express praise um, in a unique form that, that's honoring to God. It's been said that singing is kind of like um, take-home theology. Because we can hear and we can even memorize an entire sermon on some of the most important truths of the Bible, all in less than five minutes, just from a song. In my childhood, I've memorized and I've forgotten um, many verses. Um, but somehow, the songs stick to me, you know? And, and I find myself, you know, singing more truth to myself than I could ever read. Okay. Singing is just, it's just such an essential part of the believer's life. Now, there are probably some of us here who um, don't really care to sing. Okay. But the people of God must sing. Um, and we don't sing out of obligation. Um, we sing because we can't contain it. See, when, there are, when we are filled with the truths found in his word, and when we're walking um, by and, and being filled by the Spirit, we can't help but overflow with joy. Joy um, is a fruit of the Spirit, right? It's a fruit that's produced in every believer. And singing is one of the clearest manifestations of that joy. So, so I'd urge you um, just to make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? Sing to Him. Bless His holy name. If you're having trouble, um, just finding it, finding it in you for uh, whatever reason, um, just to sing, uh, <laughs> then, then confess that to him in prayer and continue to, to meditate on the truth of his word. Uh, ask him to fill you with the spirit and, and he will. And as you're being filled, um, filled with truth from God's word, you'll soon find yourself overflowing with praise and singing. And when I, uh, it's like the hymn, like, and when I think that God, his son, not sparing, then sings my soul, right? So let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that our hearts would overflow um, with joy and singing and thanksgiving. Okay, so verses one and two, um, focus on praising God. That was the first, is praising God. Um, in verse 3, we can see the motivation behind that praise, which is our second point, and that's knowing God. <laughs> Ruby's so cute. Okay, anyways, um, make, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his, or we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
when I read this passage, I can't help but to highlight the word, the first word in verse three, and that is no, right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, knowing this. Serve with gladness, knowing that. Come into his presence singing and knowing. No, 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 know this. Get this first. Understand these truths. We're invited to praise God, yes, but not without first knowing who he is. See, our praise of God should always find its origin in truth. Any praise that doesn't flow, um, flow from, uh, from, from knowledge is superficial. And any emotions um, that aren't triggered by truth are meaningless. They might make us feel good in the moment, but they don't give God um, glory. So how, um, how can anyone truly worship God without knowing him? Okay. God wants us to worship him both in spirit and in truth. He doesn't want empty praise. He wants our hearts to be fully engaged in worship to him. And in order to do that, we first need to know the truth of God, um, the truth of who God is and what he's about. Um, so, so, so knowledge, knowledge of God is critical for producing in us uh, genuine worship. So what is it that this verse tells us? What is it that we need to know? What is it that we should know um, in order to praise him properly? Look at verse three. It says, first, know that the Lord, he is God. And many have stressed um, the importance of, of first knowing yourself. But the Bible places the emphasis on first knowing God. See, we can't even begin to know ourselves without a proper understanding and knowledge of who God is and how he relates to us. And so um, we have to recognize this first, um, that the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, is the one and only true God. Sometimes when we refer to God, um, we don't even realize the gravity of what we're saying. It's like in our prayers when we say, like, dear God, right? Um, but, but God isn't just his name, okay? It's who he is by, by definition. See, his name actually testifies to who he is. He's not a God, he's God. He is the God. He's not just some figment of our imagination or just someone that we sing to and talk about from time to time, okay? He is the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, supreme being of the universe. In the New City Catechism, um, question number two asks this, it says, what is God? And the answer is this, God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. This is God. And knowing this, this um, it should already be reason enough to praise him. But know also that this very same God, he created us, right? The same God that made the heavens and the earth um, also gave life to you and I. And so as the universe is his, we too are his possession. Psalm 139 tells us that 
he knitted us together in our mother's womb and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. We literally, we would not and we could not exist if it weren't for him. But many people reject this truth, right? They think that we came from a big bang or some sort of primordial goo uh, that we somehow made ourselves through evolution and, and natural selection. And so naturally, um, these people, they have no reason to praise God. They consider themselves self-made men, but they're only suppressing the truth. And because of this, instead of leading them to praise God as they should, they're left to deal with the impending wrath of God, according to Romans 118. But if we know God as our creator, then we recognize that we depend on him for our very existence. Every breath that is breathed is a gift from God. He's our creator and sustainer, and therefore he owns us. And that alone warrants us to praise him. But it doesn't stop there. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God, the creator, made us and he has full rights to all of what we are. We are his. He owns us. But why is that good news? Right? Nobody this day and age, um, nobody wants to be owned right? Nobody wants to be owned by anyone. Um, um, we want, now, like nowadays, we want autonomy, right? We want freedom to do as we please, where we decide the rules, not God. But this isn't how the Bible describes our relationship to God, okay? Yes, we are created beings. Um, yes, we are fully owned by him. But this truth isn't meant to be enslaving for us, okay? Yes, God is powerful. He created you. He owns you. You are his, but he also cares for you. Psalm 23 provides a picture of this. Um, says this, Psalm 23, the first part, starting at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, he cares for you like a shepherd cares for his sheep. He leads and he guides you. He provides for you. He protects and restores you. And through the dark times, he's your comfort and strength. This is what it's like to be a sheep under God's flock. See, under his care, we aren't being led as lambs to the slaughter, right? We're being led in paths of righteousness. So for God's people, it's actually a good thing to be owned. It's good because our owner is the God of the universe, and yet he cares for us. Not only that, according to 1 Corinthians 6, um, he bought us with a price. And he's willed his son to die on the cross on our behalf so that though we are his servants, we are set free from the sin that enslaved us previously. We are his. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Praise God that we've been created and owned and bought and loved and cared for and shepherded by God himself. Know these things and praise him for it. Make a joyful noise. Serve him with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Okay, so we can see that our praise of God is enabled by uh, knowing God. And in these last two verses, um, we're going to see the exact same pattern. Okay, Praise and thanksgiving brought about by our knowledge of God's character. Okay, So one, we went where we have praising God, two, knowing God, and three, thanking God. Thanking God. Verse four says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. The idea of entering um, through his palace gates and his, his temple courts suggests that there's an emphasis on the gathering of God's people. Um, yes, we are to be thankful as individuals, um, but we're also invited to thank him and praise him corporately. Now, there are some who place um, just too much value on the physical physical location of the gathering, okay? But a palace, it's only significant because that's where the king resides, right? And a gathering place is only significant because of the people who gather there. So whether we meet through, you know, Zoom or at 401 Terravel or on a field next to a playground, the point is not where we gather. It's that we are indeed gathering to worship God. And the psalmist says that when we come together, um, we should do so with thanksgiving and praise. We should come blessing his name. That, that last phrase in the verse used to always confuse me. I, I used to never really understand um, what that meant. Like, what does it mean to bless his name? What does it mean to bless God? It, it never really made sense, sense to me. Because um, like when, when God blesses us, right, it means that he's helping us in some way. Or he's, he's giving us something that will make us better off than before. But see, when, when man blesses God, it doesn't work that way, right? When we bless him, we aren't somehow like helping him or making him better than he already is. It's just not possible. God can't be improved upon by anything um, that we give him. Or he can't be improved upon, period. Um, he's perfect the way he is. He doesn't need any blessing from us, like we need his, right? So what does it mean then to bless his name? When we bless his name, we're acknowledging all that God is and we're praising him for all that he's done, okay? When we bless his name, we testify that he is um, God both by name and by definition. And we praise him for that. See, in this verse, Blessing his name, it's kind of almost a synonym for giving thanks to him. We recognize him for who he is, and we give him the honor and praise and glory that he deserves. This is, this is simply what it means to bless his name. So we praise him, sing to him, bless his name, give thanks to God. Um, most of you maybe, you know, pro probably celebrated Chinese New Year um, today or yesterday. And I can remember back when I was young, um, and I was always excited for Chinese New Year because I would always get red envelopes, right? And red envelopes are good because you get money, 
And, and when I was a kid, money for me ultimately meant candy. But anyways, I remember always going to my grandma's house and waiting for her to give me the red envelope. Okay. And I always also secretly hoped that her friends were there too, because, you know, if they saw me, they would have to give me a red envelope also. But when I received a red envelope from anyone, whether there was $1 in it or $100 in it, I was always told to express my gratitude in some way to that person. Okay. It's just, that's what we did as, you know, a little Chinese boy. We had to do that. Okay. And it was cute. But, anyways, Sometimes all I had to say was gung hei fa choi, you know, or all I had to do was call them by their proper, like hierarchical Chinese auntie uncle name. Okay. Other times I just said, thank you or doja, you know, and, and then I ran away. Um, to some of my like immediate relatives, I expressed my thanks um, by giving a kiss. Now I was pretty shy back then. And so actually I dreaded having to do this, but my parents made me. Like as simple as it was, I just, I oftentimes, I, I had a hard time expressing thanks, um, but I still did it anyways. Even today, um, I realize how unthankful of a person I can be in my heart. And, and, and it's evident by how much I can complain and grumble about my daily tasks or, or how discontent I can be with my circumstances at work or at home. And then out of all the things that God has already given to me, I can never seem uh, to have enough. I always have a desire for more and better things or newer things. But one of the distinguishing features of a believer should be an attitude of thankfulness. And that's because out of everyone, the Christian has the most to be thankful for. Romans 1 tells us that it's the ungodly and the foolish men who fail to honor him as God or give thanks to him, right? They reject the truth of God and therefore they have no reason to be thankful to him. But the children of God, the ones who acknowledge God as their creator, the ones who know they are owned and cared for by him, should of all people be the most thankful. Romans 8.32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's given us life. He's loved us and provided for us. He's given us peace and comfort. He's given us forgiveness and an inheritance that will never fade. He's even given us his son. What more is there for God to give? What more could we want? If he's given us his son, his most valuable possession, how will he not freely give us all things? Psalm 84.11 says, no good thing does he withhold from those who, who walk uprightly. The fact is, we have many more reasons to be thankful to God than we do complaints, reasons to complain. Um, so evaluate yourself. Are, are you a thankful person? Or, or do you, uh, if you don't know, go out and find someone who knows you and ask them, okay, based on the way that I talk to you and based on the way that I talk to others and based on the content of my conversations, would you consider me a person who is thankful? Would you consider me as someone who is joyful? Because out of the heart, the mouth will speak. And if thankfulness isn't evident in our speech, then that may indicate um, 
that may be an indication of a, a larger issue within our hearts. Thankful hearts speak thankful words. Now, some might say, um, hey, you don't know me, right? <laughs> I, I'm a super thankful person on the inside. Uh, I, just, I just sound ungrateful on the outside, right? <laughs> and there's a chance that might be true, um, but it'd be pretty difficult to prove. And the same goes for other things too. Like, how can someone who always seems to be grumpy be truly joyful on the inside? Or, or how can someone who, uh, how can someone be genuinely singing in their heart to God, but have a consistent look of boredom on their face? Right? Oh, I'm singing on. I'm really singing on the inside. Like, how is that possible? Certainly, it is possible. Uh, but the odds are. If we are constantly grumbling and complaining on the outside, we're most likely doing the same thing in our heart. But that's between you and the Lord, right? Man can only judge what they see externally, but only God can conclusively know our heart. He knows our every thought and every intention. Are you grateful towards him? Are you thankful? He's literally given us everything. So we should come to him with thanksgiving and praise. We should bless his name and give thanks to God. And that brings us to our last point, which is trusting God. Trusting God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? Why do that? Verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. In verse 3, the focus was more um, on the authority of God. He is God. He is the creator. He owns us. We are his. Um, verse 5 shows us more of his character. He's good. He's loving. He's faithful. And as God's children, we need to be hearing both of these things equally. Okay, My, my son, he needs to know that he must obey me. But at the same time, he needs to know that I love him. Okay? If God was all-powerful but not good, we would live our lives in fear. Right? If he loved us unconditionally but had no authority to accomplish any task, then we would just ignore him. Right? But since God is all that he says he is, we can rely and trust in him. We can trust God. The truths. Um, the truths that are that are that um, these verses speak, um, they speak so loudly for themselves when you read it, right? I, I almost feel like I almost feel like I don't need to say much more um, other than just reading the psalm itself over and over again. I, I chose the psalm because I personally I needed to hear these things, okay? And I've been so blessed. Um, simply by reading these truths over and over in my mind, day after day. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 136, um, it models the same thing for us. You, you can turn to it real quick. If you turn to it and you just, you just scan over the passages, it won't take you, to long, take you long to see the pattern, okay? Just, just look at the passion passage and, and look for the key word there, okay? Verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
verse two, give thanks to the to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. And on and on and on and on and on it goes 26 times, repeating the same truth over and over and over again. The same thing, his steadfast love endures forever in every single verse. So meditate on these truths, right? Take them home with you even after tonight and, and keep them with you uh, wherever you go. Believe me, you will need these truths in your pursuit of godliness, especially when hard times come. And you might say, okay, well, that all sounds great, but how do I give thanks to God when I don't feel like it, right? How do, how do, I, how do I praise his name when I'm feeling downcast, when I'm feeling oppressed? How do I serve and sing and bless his name when nothing seems to be going my way? Nothing seems to be going right in my life right now. And the answer, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness extends to all generations. You were laid off from your job. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Lost a loved one, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You're feeling depressed and lonely. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You're feeling hopeless and depressed. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Whatever trial or hardship that you may be facing right now, the answer remains the same. Know God. Trust God. Rely on God. Know that he is good. Know that he is loving. Remember his mercy. Remember his grace. Our feelings, they fluctuate. Our, our situations can sometimes be difficult and depressing. Our circumstances can be overwhelming. But praise God that our joy doesn't depend on any of those things. Okay? It doesn't depend uh, on even on how we feel. Our joy depends solely on the truth of God's word. It depends on what we know. All that he is, all that he's done, and all that he says he will do. So we can still serve with gladness even when we don't feel like it. We can still sing during hardships. We can still thank him even in our weakest state. Why? Because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And because we know that God himself never changes, our motivation to praise and thank him should always remain the same. Circumstances change, relationships change, feelings change, but the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever and his faithfulness extends to all generations. Let these truths sink deep down into our hearts so that when trials and hardships come, we can together say with the prophet Job, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God that we can trust him in any circumstance. But sometimes, sometimes we forget these truths. And sometimes our hearts need to be reminded um, by someone other than ourselves, right? And what better way to be reminded than to have a group of sinners saved by the grace of God, singing these truths to you out of the abundance of joy in their own hearts. This is why corporate worship is so important. This is why we enter his gates with thanksgiving together. We gather together 
week after week so that we can again be brought under the truth of God's word so that what I know takes precedence over what I feel. This is why we must come together in thanksgiving. This is why Ephesians 5.19 tells us to address one another in, in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We must come together to blame even when we don't feel like it. If not for your own sake, then for one another. And as we do this, we declare an open invitation for all the earth to make a joyful noise to him. Praise God, know God, thank God, and trust in him. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for um, giving us your word. We thank you for allowing us to hear and study it. We ask that you would um, let your word dwell within us richly so that we would be able to, to, to more truthfully and consistently give you the praise and honor that you deserve. Help us to be glad servants who, who joyfully give thanks to you. And as we continue to bless your name, may the call continue to go out to all the nations to join with us in worshiping you um, for who you are. We ask that um, even during this time, during, during COVID, um, that we would use this time to our advantage. You know, we have these outdoor services, God, and we have such a platform now that if we gather together as thankful people and if we sing to you out of hearts of joy, people will want to come and see what's going on. Help us to come and gather together to sing your praise joyfully so that your name might be known among the nations. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.